The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, from the moment the bodies of Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallow were discovered on Chad Daybell's property, the question became, when will Laurie and Chad be charged with murder? Well, now they have. But in a shocking turn, soon after, Lori was declared mentally incompetent. Court TV's Ted Rollins joins me to discuss what all of this means for the case going forward. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thank you so much for downloading the Court TV Podcast. And I usually tell you and remind you at the end of the podcast to check the show notes. But I'm just going to tell you off the top because we're going to be talking about the doomsday couple case. And this is, if it's the first time you've been exposed to this story, it is very deep. It is very layered. And I would uh, advise you to to check the show notes and some of the links that we have there uh, to get a full understanding for everything that's going on. But I'll give you the, the, the short version off the top here. There's a woman named Lori Vallow Daybell. She had two children. She was married to a man named Charles Vallow. Her husband dies. She ends up moving out of of Arizona, ends up in Idaho. Her children go missing. She never really searches for them. She ends up marrying a man named Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell was married to a woman named Tammy Daybell until his wife tragically died. Then he married Lori although there is evidence that they were together before Tammy died. Okay, so if you got the, you got the picture, you've got two people who lose their spouses, who tragically die, then they are together, uh, but the woman, Lori Vallow Daybell, her children are missing. Okay, that's where we pick up this story. And we've been covering it at Court TV for quite some time now. And uh, there's a lot to get into, but let me tell you where we are right now. Finally, finally... There are murder charges in this case because those two children, their remains were found in Chad Daybell's backyard. Lori's new husband's backyard is where her children were found buried. And it took a while, but now she's been implicated in the murder. He's been implicated in the murder. They've also been implicated in the murder of his wife, Tammy Daybell. Okay. So now there are three murder charges finally in this case, and it's time to bring in Court TV anchor Ted Rollins, who has been covering this story with me. Um, Ted, your reaction, first of all, to, to the fact that finally the investigation has gotten to the point where murder charges uh, have been, have been uh, you know, finally instituted here. Finally, finally, they're saying someone is responsible for killing these children. The second that those two bodies of these two children were discovered in Chad's backyard, people thought, oh, got to be, you know, they're just, they're crafting the murder charges. It'll be any day now. And it has taken a while. And prosecutors have time on their hand, on their side, because the uh, Chad Daybell, Lori Babel were incarcerated. So they had the time, but it was frustrating to sit back and, and think, oh my gosh, are they ever going to charge these two with murder or somebody? And and now we do have it. Finally. But to me, it wasn't a given because 
I've covered cases like Elizabeth Johnson, who was the mother of baby Gabriel in Texas. This beautiful baby went missing. Um, she got convicted, but not for the murder of the child. And, and she was convicted for, uh, you know, not taking care of her child and, and abandoning her child. But the child was never found. In this case, though, they did find the bodies. And, and yes, in Chad's backyard. So that is a big, big uh, fact in favor of finding some murder charges here. So, you know, there's there's three people really involved in this whole thing, right? Three co-conspirators, according to prosecutors. The two that have been charged, right? The husband and wife who lost their spouses and um, and then Lori's children were found in his backyard. Um, but there's a third, which is Lori's brother, Alex Cox, who is also dead, who died uh, on the toilet. So how do you think this thing plays out? What do you think... The will there be a specific theory by prosecutors as to who did what and why they did it? Like who was the leader? Who was the one who physically uh, uh, killed these children? How, do you think they're going to put it together that way uh, when this thing goes to trial? I don't think they have to. And here's why, because it is all three of them working in concert in this bizarre religious fueled um, craziness where who killed the kids? Well, was it Alex Cox? Because that's what both of the defendants are going to claim, right? It's like, oh, Alex did it. But they, Alex Cox couldn't have done it without the other two. And, and that's how you approach this. You bring in the other witnesses that were around them during this crazy time that were part of this cult, if cult, if you want to call it that, where Chad was basically saying, I have visions. I know what's coming in the future. And people believed him. So all three of them were to blame. Did Alex Cox actually kill the kid? Probably, actually, uh, because Chad Daybell's smart enough and Lori wasn't going to get her hands dirty and, and I don't think she would kill her own children, but it doesn't matter. They worked in concert and they all followed Chad. Now, it's interesting that you use the word in the middle of all of this craziness because uh, mental illness is now a big part of what is going on as Lori Daybell, she wants to be called Daybell now, she wants to drop the vallow, um, has been deemed by a court-appointed expert as not competent to stand trial. At this point, right now, here and now, as we, as we sit here and, sp and speak, she is not competent to stand trial. She is not able to participate in her own defense. Uh, according to this expert, she's not really aware of, of what's going on around her. And this is an amazing development in the case because it kind of puts her case in a holding pattern here, Ted. Yeah. And it's basically, there's a potential now, instead of trying them together, they could be tried separately, which is not good for the state because you want them to be sitting together at the defense table if possible. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens here. Both the defense and the state are agreeing. All right, she is not ready. We've had experts look at she is not there and, and she's unfit. The plan is to rehabilitate her um, through therapy of some sort and get her to a position where she does understand what's going on and, and can um, stand trial. And that's the critical point. Will she come out as Lori Vallow or Lori Daybell at the end of the day? At that at the end of this time period is she going to be lockstep with chad or are we going to see something different are we going to see uh maybe she turns 
and 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 becomes a prosecution witness. It's going to be fascinating to see play out. You know, throughout this entire investigation, as we've been uncovering videos and audios of Lori Daybell, one thing has been very clear: there, there's there's absolutely something going on with her. Like she's not like the the rest of us. Okay, there's there's definitely something that is off. Now you could say that about every criminal defendant, and you could certainly say that about any parent accused of killing their own child. Uh, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a legal defense to what is going on, but the indications were were very early, even by her husband Charles. You know, we have this body cam footage of Charles. This is when they're in Arizona where he is speaking to police and and he's talking to them right after they celebrate their 13th anniversary together. So Charles and Lori were together for quite some time. I mean, this wasn't like a a quickie wedding and then all of a sudden things got, you know, out of whack. No, they're together for a long time. Let's take a listen to Charles here speaking to police in Arizona about his wife, Lori. Our 13th anniversary next month. We've been at a great marriage. All of a sudden, the last month just blew up. Mm-hmm. She just lost connection. Okay. So as for, so you, has she made any statements about wanting to hurt the children or anything? Today she said with Gabe on the phone, come take the kids. I don't care what happens to them. Come take them. Okay, but she didn't make a direct threat towards the kids. No, not a direct threat. Okay. And then... She said that she would murder you through a spiritual... No, she said, I can murder you. I can murder you. And, then, and she's talking and in a spirit... I will kill you. Spiritual... No, she talks in physically, I will kill you because you're not Charles, and nobody will care. Okay. So she, she at this point, doesn't think you are her husband? She thinks I'm Mick Schneider. Who's Mick Schneider? I have no idea. Okay. It's the name she used. I don't know where it came from. Okay. I just, I'm just like, I'm as bewildered as you are. This is so foreign to me normal people as far as I'm concerned, but you know, uh, this happens. It just drives me. I don't know what to do. So that's Charles Vallow when he's still alive before he's shot and killed by Lori's brother. Okay. (laughs) We're not going to ask, we may get into that, but not necessarily get into that on this podcast. We've talked about it in the past. Um, but listening to Charles there, Ted, you know, I, I listened to him and he says, about a month ago, things changed. And this is after, you know, 13 years together. No one's closer to Lori than Charles. And he sees a complete change in her at this time. And I'm wondering, whatever this doctor who has evaluated Lori and said she's not competent to stand trial, what he would say about what's going on way back then when Charles was still alive. I mean, has Lori changed since being incarcerated? Or is this just the same old Lori um, that changed while she was still married to Charles. Well, yeah, you listen to that clip and in, in the whole presentation from that, um, I believe we have that on courttv.com, but you see the, the um, what Charles is going through and he is tormented because he has a vision of his wife. And you talk to other people that knew them as a couple, talk to people that knew her and she was a great mother. She, something happened. Something happened where she changed mentally and started to have visions and thinking um, that the end of the world was coming. And whether it was before she connected with Mr. Doomsday, Chad, or it was at the same time, you know, it's hard to tell. But boy, it sure is coincidental that the two of them meet each other and then it just takes off from there. I've said before, it's like Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown getting together. Those two just went 
they fed off each other. It appears from an outsider standpoint, and it just got worse and worse and more scary. And Charles Vallow, you listen to him, he is now dead um, because of what took place. You know, another really important witness in this entire case is a woman named Melanie Gibbs, who was a great friend of Lori Daybell when she was Lori Vallow. And they were very close and they had very similar beliefs and would meet in their little groups. And she's going to end up, I believe, being the most important witness for prosecutors for in trying to explain to this jury what is going on, because uh, she was very close to Lori. Let's take a listen uh, to, to Lori talking about darkness here with Melanie Gibbs. Darkness is knocking on the door all the time because that's the way dark works with the light. And I promise you that I have done nothing wrong in this case, but sometimes you have to hide in a cavity of a rock for your own life safety. And that's what the Lord requires of you sometimes. And that's how it is. And I'm sorry that's how it is, because there is a lot of darkness on the earth. Yeah, I know. Okay. This after me for zero reason, besides the darkness of Kay, which you already know she's dark. I, I, I haven't met her enough to know if she's dark or not. I've just met her slightly, and she seemed like a normal kind of person, but then I haven't engaged with her that much, so I don't know that personally. Okay. You know, in, invoking the Lord in, in the middle of all of this has been is a huge theme. It will be a theme at the trial. It's, it's a part of this case. It's part of the fabric of, of what tragically happened to these two children, and I believe also to Tammy Daybell. Now, listening to, to Lori there speak with Melanie, it, it, it seems there's definitely a divergence at, at the point of this call, right? That there, she's no longer... Um, on Team Lori at all, Melanie. But they're talking about a woman named Kay. Ted, explain to us who Kay is, what her role is in all of this, and her relationship with Lori Vallow Daybell. Well, it was it was Kay and her husband Lori that went to authorities at the very beginning because they are the grandparents to JJ Vallow, and they were concerned. This kid, who they had a special connection with, JJ had some learning disabilities, um, but they were almost parents to him. They, they did serve as parents for a while, um, but they were in his life. And then all of a sudden, he was MIA, MIA, and they had heard from Charles that there was some discord between them. But these were just two people who wanted to know the truth. They had no axe to grind against Lori. Eventually they did, and now they do. But at the time, they wanted to know where the children were, and Lori took it out on Kay. It, it's it's really fascinating, because when she made a, uh, her last court appearance without a mask, where there were people in the courtroom, when she walked by Kay and just gave her that look. And to me, this is this is where you look at what's going on mentally. It, it seems that in her mind, the, anyone who has done anything against her or spoken against her is an enemy. And, and that's why I am not necessarily buying all of this stuff, that she is somehow um, delusional or, or has made a break from reality because Kay is a real person. Kay is someone who wanted the truth about what happened to uh, little JJ, her son. And 
All of a sudden now Kay is the enemy and she's trying to turn other people against Kay. And, and to me, that tells me that she knows what she's doing. She's trying to manipulate Melanie and say, Kay is evil. Kay is this. And Melanie's like, well, no, Kay, she seemed pretty normal to me. And, and to me, that's very revealing about what, what is really going on with Lori Vallow. Is that do you think, though, that she is able to hoodwink the two medical professionals who have evaluated her. I was shocked when the second evaluation took place and the state came out and agreed, okay, she needs help. I, I think she's needed help all along. I don't think she has changed from who she was. And, and I believe that the same person who was able to go away to Hawaii and get married uh, without a care in the world while her children are missing is the same person that's behind bars today. Now, obviously, I haven't spoken to her and we haven't seen her and we haven't evaluated her, but that person was very evil and I would not put it past her. And, and I think whatever state of mind she was in then was not a great state of mind. I don't think it was something that is a defense to what the charges are here. And we'll talk about that in, in the next segment. But I don't I am not convinced yet that she has changed from who she was from the time that the children went missing, that somehow there's been some sort of a recent breakdown that she's had. Whatever happened to her, I think Charles is the one who first noticed it, and I think it's been a constant, just at different degrees of whatever is going on in her mind. Anyhow, let's do this. We, we've got more to talk about because this is going to be uh, perhaps a trial at some point, and you're talking about competency. You also have to talk about her mental state at the time of the alleged crime. So we'll try to tie it all together when we come back. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. It's awful. They just feel like I'm being tracked all the time. I'm like, why are police coming to my well, door? What's they, were, they said they were out visiting with two guys, and I'm assuming was, one's your brother. Who was visiting? Yeah. Who was the other one? The other guy they were visiting with. There were two. Visiting. Well, we had two detectives over here trying to. Looking for you oh. a little while ago. Oh, because I was at the store. And they ran into well, probably one of your brothers. In My brother here. and his friend, probably. Oh, who's been that? moving. Chad. Chad from around here? Mm-hmm. What's his last name? Okay. All right. So, it's just a mess. It's constantly causing me trouble. Chad the D-A-Y-B-E-L-O? Mm-hmm. He's an author. Doesn't he live, like, out in the... Isn't that the Chanty Bell that... Uh, did his wife pass away recently? Is that him? I, I don't know. At the time, we didn't realize how big this was, but this is huge. That's Lori Vallow. Now, at this point, police have gone to her apartment in Idaho looking for JJ and looking for Tylee, her children. And she has this conversation with them, and it's very deceitful. She's not acknowledging knowing Chad. Come on, Chad's not your, bro- her, your brother's friend. She's lying through her teeth, 
lying through her teeth to police. And, and Ted, this gets to my point. I don't think this Lori Vallow is any different, or Lori Daybell, than the Lori Daybell who's behind bars right now. I, I, I really don't. And, and you see how manipulative she is, how quickly she can lie, and what she is doing here. She's not stupid, okay? We know she's not stupid. She is very manipulative and is very deceitful. And, and to me, it came out here where she's not even acknowledging that she knows Chad. Of course she knows Chad. Of course she knows who he is. And she's lying to police. And she knows she's lying. She knows right from wrong. She knows that they're after some very basic information and she is concealing it, acting as though she doesn't know this Chad character. He's just randomly helping them move. And then when it is brought up that Tammy died, you didn't hear a peep out of her to say, yeah, that's him. No, no, she didn't say a word. And um, to your point, that's completely deceitful. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was playing them. The question is, was she so far gone by that point that it was post Charles when she was when, when Charles detected these issues? Does that start the clock in terms of her competency? And can she use it later at trial somehow to say from that moment on, this woman was under the spell of Daybell and had her, you know, was was, was she was so incompetent this whole two year period she should not be held responsible for. I think that's where they may end up going, somewhere along those lines. Uh, But you don't have traditional uh, insanity defense in Idaho. It's one of the few states that doesn't have it. Uh, it, You know, all these issues will go to her uh, state of mind. You know, is she able to form the the requisite mindset to fulfill the elements of, of murder? And that's where they'll go. But if this was a state where they had traditional insanity, um, that's absolutely where you'd have to go. Because what you would say is she didn't realize the difference between right and wrong and everything she did and everything she said, she believed the Lord was telling her to do. And that's the only time I've ever seen the insanity defense successful in front of a jury is when a mother accused of murdering her children believed she was saving her children by killing them, saving them from Satan and doing God's work, meaning she thought what she was doing was good, even though it was actually evil. She did not, uh, could not recognize the difference between the two. But I, I don't know how that uh, trans, uh, translates under Idaho law and the way you would try this case. But I think it's a big part of the story. I think, and, and I th- I think it's what the story is about because the story ultimately is about these two children and, and why these two children are, are dead and, and what changed in her life going from married for 13 years with these kids to, wow, my husband is shot by my, my brother and five minutes later I am joking with police officers. Yeah, that body cam exists as well. So, you know, for her, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there is a defense, right? Is, 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 other than she, she didn't do it or she didn't plan anything and it was these either Chad and Alex or just Alex or just Chad that did it and, and she was kind of, um, I guess, hypnotized, right? That's what you're kind of saying. She's sort of hypnotized by Chad and is oblivious to what's happening to her children. Yeah, I think that's where you have to go because it doesn't, you don't have the traditional method because 
to your point, she has the evidence working in her favor on a, in a strange way if she were to say that this she was doing this for the good of her children and even for Charles because her mantra has been that these people around her have been taken over by Satan. Chad has identified them and she is acknowledging it. She is acknowledging that it is true that her own children... The only way to save them, according to Chad, uh, is to kill them because then you're safe, you're allowing their souls to go to some other level. It's very, you know, it's it's crazy. But in her world, maybe that's the way out. If Idaho had the traditional laws in place, I think we'd absolutely see where this was going. Um, it's I don't know how you tailor it as a defense, given the rules of the road in the state of Idaho. Well, I. I... That's a challenge, but I, I think it's the only way to go. You, you, I, I, and I don't know if she makes that split. Do you think she is capable of sitting there at some point when she is deemed competent and allow her attorney to point the finger at Chad and say, this is the guy who ruined my life. This is the guy who brainwashed me into believing my children were zombies. Do you think she could ever do it? Because the last time that she, I really heard her speak a lot in court, she wanted to make sure that the judge referred to her as Lori Daybell and not Lori Vallow or Lori Vallow Daybell. I am Lori Daybell. Yeah, she's proud to be Lori Daybell. She believes the things that Chad has said. She believes that everything that he has said has actually come true, that Satan is out there trying to hurt them. That's why they're in the jail cells, that the people that died had to die because they were possessed. And guess what? Also, Chad predicted that there would be a pandemic. And boom, wasn't he right? He's he had some little victories here. And in, I believe that in her mind, she has the, is the luckiest woman alive because she's married to Chad Daybell, the omniscient. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know what will be really interesting to to see when you do a timeline check? And I have to take another closer look at it. The, the time when she meets Chad Daybell versus the time that Charles notices a change in her life. And, and I think those two are, are pretty much in sync. Um, you know, she, I don't know if she met him first or was reading his books first or, or how all that worked. Um, but I think closer inspection on that uh, may reveal a lot about what really happened here. I want to play one more phone call. Uh, again, this is Melanie Gibbs, her, her friend at one point, uh, speaking with Lori. And Lori here is confronting Melanie because she realizes that Melanie is recording the call because Lori and Chad have seemingly implicated Melanie in the disappearance of the children before they were found. And Melanie is like, wait a minute. And she's trying to gather some evidence to demonstrate to police that she is not involved in this whole thing. Let's take a listen. Hi, you're being controversial to me or if you're recording this conversation for the police or whatever. I don't know what your intention is on this phone call. Well, but up with all my heart, and I have forever, and well, I will always see you. I appreciate those words, but if you really love me, you wouldn't have told the police that I had JJ with me. That's not, that's not what a friend does. I mean, that just makes me look weird, and it, it just, it's not safe for me. That doesn't look good. I mean, you had to think of my welfare if you love me. I do, and I did exactly what I felt the Lord was instructing me to do. And I appreciate you, and I love you. 
And I never do anything to harm you. And you can have all of this confirmed to you by the Lord. I have. And my, my conscience is clear. I feel very understanding what's really going on, Lori. And I believe that I believe that you have been very deceived by Satan. I believe that he has tricked you. Wow. Wow. Now, here's here's my take on Lori there. She gets confronted on, listen, you know, if you really loved me, you wouldn't have done that. And, and then all of a sudden she goes to Old Faithful, the Lord instructed me to do it, right? And, and to me, that's, that, that to me sounds like someone who is manipulating the Lord and is using the Lord to her advantage when it helps her. And it's not true belief, right? I, I, that, that's what I hear not in the tone and the actions and the little bit of the pause. To me, that was my takeaway from that exchange, Ted. Yeah, and, and it's also an insight into where those two were, Chad and Lori, at that point, where anything that came to their mind, they seemed to think uh, good or bad that the Lord was, if, if they decided to do it, well, then the Lord was behind it, you know, and it would be like me saying, uh, yeah, I had another beer because the Lord told me to do it. And it's not, it's not, it's ridiculous on every single level. And the jury's going to hear and get a, get a feel for this world that they were all living in including Melanie Gibb and her husband or her boyfriend. I mean, keep in mind, they came to visit the last day that JJ was seen and the two of them just sort of shrugged it off that JJ had been possessed and was climbing up on the, the walls and knocked over a picture of Jesus Christ. It, it just is, they are, they were all in this crazy world. And at the, the leader of it all, I believe was Chad Daybell. It, the big question is, will Lori Daybell wake up or will she go down with the ship and, and be Lori Daybell for um, eternity, thinking that she has hit the jackpot? You know, you know, you keep saying that word crazy, though, and it's scaring me, Ted, because I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, whether it's one juror or more than one juror that is somehow going to look at this and say, this is not really criminal behavior. This is someone who is just um, in- insane, and, and I can't convict someone who... Uh, you know, is so has been so manipulated by by someone, and and it, it almost comes to this. I I would love, and and I think this would be my comeback, Ted, if I was the prosecutor and it was time for my closing argument. I'd invoke Flip Wilson. Do you remember Flip Wilson? He was a, a great comedian back in the day, and his little one of his little taglines was, "The devil made me do it." Right? That's what he would say. I would flip that. And I would say, ladies and gentlemen, the jury, what did we hear during the course of this entire case? Every time Lori Vallow Daybell gets caught doing something wrong or or harming someone, she invokes the Lord. The Lord made me do it. The Lord made me do it. How many times did she say the Lord made me do it? And and to me, that's that's no longer a defense. It's no longer a defense because of the way and when it comes up and how it comes up. And I'm wondering, and I'm just wondering, if she's able to do that and lie to her friends so easily uh, in phone conversations, in person, and everywhere else, and lie to police, is she able to somehow manipulate these uh, uh, experts? And And maybe not. Maybe Maybe something has happened as she's been locked up for over a year. I don't know. 
but at some point, this, this trial hopefully will happen because without the trial, uh, at the end of the day, there's no answer uh, and, and there's no justice uh, for these children. But we shall see. Uh, Ted Rollins, always great to have you on the podcast. Uh, you can watch Ted every day on your front row seat to justice. Ted, tell the folks at home what time you're on every day. 9 a.m. Eastern time, 9 to noon. Leave Monday through Friday. 9 to noon. We never see each other at Court TV because he's like the he, – he opens things up and then I close things up at night. And uh, and even though we're we're neighbors, we, we, we rarely see each other. So it's great to see you, Ted. Thanks so much. Thank you, Vinny. All right, folks, when we come back, um, so the fact that she's not competent, how, how will this play out? What does it mean? And, and the delay in justice, what, what is the ultimate outcome? What do I think is going to happen here? I'm going to reveal that when we come back. Renowned journalist Ashley Banfield takes you behind the scenes of the most compelling cases in history. This is the new chapter in true crime. Judgment with Ashley Banfield. All new episodes, Sunday nights at 8 on Court TV. So she's been found not competent to stand trial, which is... Huge, because it changes so much here. As Ted pointed out earlier, you've got three people involved in this alleged conspiracy. Alex Cox, dead. Lori Daybell, not competent. And now Chad Daybell is standing alone. And all of a sudden, uh, as a prosecutor in the case, I am not necessarily happy. And the reason being, no matter, pretty much in any case, almost any case, you want to try co-defendants all at the same time. Because when you don't, and there are co-defendants, um, and, and, and one or more are not in the courtroom, inevitably what happens is they point the finger at the person that's not here. But for Chad Daybell now, he can point the finger at a brother and a sister. He can point the finger at the sister who, who had care, control, and custody of the children, and can point the finger at her brother who is dead, Right. He's dead. He, he, he cannot, uh, you know, testify. He cannot contradict anything you're going to say. But point the finger at the man who was seen by Melanie Gibbs right before uh, he disappeared. Uh, J.J. Carrying J.J. I mean, he's in and out of that apartment. So you point to uh, Alex and Lori as this crazy brother and sister combo. And just point the finger at them. And now, now all of a sudden, it becomes a little bit more difficult because they're pointing the finger at people that aren't there, that they're not going to see. And then the jury's going to be like, well, is it reasonable? Maybe, maybe Chad kind of got roped into this whole thing. So it, it harms your case. Now, what do I think will happen here? I, I think it's going to take some time, but I think she will be rehabilitated. And what they do is they, they treat people who are found not competent and then they bring them back every once in a while. They reevaluate, reevaluate, reevaluate until they are competent to stand trial. And then they bring them inside a courtroom and they try the case. The only question here is, will it be before or after Chad Daybell's trial, right? Chad Daybell's trial could happen first while she's still not competent. And then she becomes competent some point down the road after uh, Chad Daybell. Then she's got the built-in defense of pointing the finger at these two men who dominated her life. 
Chad Daybell, and Alex Cox. And, and you see how difficult it becomes as a prosecutor when you're trying one at a time, when there's people allegedly working together who then will inevitably point the finger at the person who's not there. It's a much stronger case if you've got Lori and Chad together in court. They can point the finger at each other. You as the prosecutor like, whatever, <laughs> they're guilty, folks. They can blame each other if they want. Uh, because even in, in that circumstance, they'll, they'll probably try to point the finger at Alex Cox, who's dead and won't be there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's her children and it's his backyard. So you have that. So I, I think at some point, Lori Daybell will be tried. So justice will be delayed uh, but I think there will be an opportunity for 12 jurors at some point to determine whether or not she is responsible for the murder of her own children. It, it's such a sad, sad case. It's incredibly tragic. I mean, what was the motivation here? Uh, was she really under the spell or was it a motivation that she met somebody um, who she just liked more than her curtain husband and she wanted to move on? And he didn't want the kids around because he had raised his children. His children were grown and out of the house. Um, he had met, you know, someone attractive, exciting, and, and he got, you know, his wife is gone and he just wanted to live the life that they were living down in Hawaii. I mean, they fled when they fled Idaho, they, they didn't like flee Idaho to go to, you know, some remote, um, ugly place. They went to Hawaii and were living large, walking around with a bag of money that they got from insurance policies. You know, this was, it, it's, it's, it's whole trial is going to be wrapped in religion, but ultimately, if I'm the prosecutor, I'm playing it out for what it is. Two selfish adults who did it for money and freedom and to live a life that they couldn't live with two children and one, one of whom was a, a special needs child who needed extra attention. Anyhow, we're going to continue, of course, to track uh, this case. Um, right now, Lori's case, not scheduled to go because she's not competent, but Chad uh, still on the docket to happen uh, sometime, it looks like, in 2022, believe it or not. As I said at the top of the show, folks, this story has many, many layers, and we have so much material, so much material. Check the, the show links uh, because there's, there's a lot of body cam videos, audio recordings, documents, articles, everything uh, that'll bring you up to speed in the case of the so-called doomsday couple. I'm Vinny Politan. You can watch me every night from 8 to 11 on Court TV. If you have a digital antenna, please rescan it so you can find our network. That's all for now. I'll check back with you next week. Uh, have a great uh, week. And as always, don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.